What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Under the Rim podcast. I am Sam, not joined here by Shaz today, but today we got on tap one of the biggest episodes of the season. We are going to be talking about the Wisconsin Badgers with my Wisconsin Badgers 2023-2024 football season preview. Um, Obviously, this is a team that has gone through a lot of flux. Um, it's going to be a really fun team to talk about and a really fun team to preview. One thing before we get into everything, please follow us on TikTok. Uh, follow me on TikTok. I'm Bucky Badger W1 on TikTok. And the podcast is at Under the Rim on TikTok. So please follow us there. Uh, we're going to try to post a little more on those platforms uh, just to get us some more interaction. Also, please follow me on Twitter at Bucky Badger W1. But with that out of the way, um, let's get down to business here, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna be talking about the Wisconsin Badgers um, again, a team that has gone through a lot of change in the offseason, Whether it was coaching staff or transfers, probably more change than we've seen at any period in the history of Wisconsin Badger football. And so today, I'm just gonna be going through obviously everything that happened in the offseason, Talking about that, uh, we are gonna be talking about. We're gonna go through all the position groups on this team. And talk about where some of their strengths are, where some of their weaknesses are. Talk about some of the depth there and just overall the players on this team. And then at the end of the podcast, I'm going to give my overall um, record prediction, or I mean schedule prediction, and then record prediction for this Wisconsin team. And ultimately, how I think they're going to do this year. Spoiler alert, they're probably going to be better than last year, which I think a lot of us are going to like to hear. But... Um, with that out of the way, let's get down to business and let's talk about the moves that happened in the offseason for this Wisconsin team. So obviously, all of this started, technically started last year, but really going back a while. Um, for a couple of years, this Wisconsin team has been stagnated uh, with Paul Christ at the helm. And it's a, it's a team that was stuck in our, we were stuck in our ways for the most part. Um, it's a team that's won a lot of games. Uh, I'll get into it later, but... They've had a lot of success under Paul Christ, and I think people take that for granted. Um, I was in favor of the firing of Paul Christ. I think that especially bringing in Luke Fickle, uh, it, was, it was just time, especially after the start to last year and with how uncreative and bland this team had gotten. It just seemed like it was time for a change, and I, I 100% applaud Chris McIntosh for making that change and having the guts to go out and you know bring in not just Jim Leonard, but bring in... You know, a coach in Luke Fickle who is a little more modern. And it's going to be a change, but I think it's going to be a good change. Um, obviously, so Paul Christ out of the way now. Uh, appreciate everything that Paul has done for the University of Wisconsin. But again, it was time. Uh, Jim Leonard then took over as interim head coach. And obviously, this is a team that loves Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard, even more so than Chris, was probably the main reason that we were so good the past couple of years. This Wisconsin defense has been unbelievable. Uh, ever since he's gotten here, uh, and it was tough ultimately after he had waited after he'd waited so long um, for him to not get the job. And once again, I applaud the Luke Fickle hiring, but that's something that was tough to swallow as a Wisconsin fan who's watched for most of his life. Jim Leonard defenses dominate the Big Ten, uh, and Leonard has moved on to I believe Nebraska now. Um, or no, it was Illinois that he has moved on to now uh, kind of as a defensive assistant there. Um, obviously, good luck to, to him at Illinois other than, when, other than when they play the Badgers. But, um, you know, ultimately they end up bringing in Luke Fickle. And that's what we're going to be talking about mostly here. 
with Luke Fickle and Phil Longo and Mike Trussell and this new coaching staff. So Fickle, obviously coming over from Cincinnati, he was an assistant at Ohio State before that. He's had um, a long career of success at Cincinnati, obviously just a couple years ago, bringing that team to the college football playoff, which obviously an unreal feat at a school like Cincinnati. And that team 100% deserved to be in the college football playoff. And he was able to build up players like Sauce Gardner, um, who were there, and Jerome Ford, and Kobe Bryant, and got a ton of super talented guys to come through the University of Cincinnati, which, you know, you can say what you want about it being in the heart of Ohio, but it's much harder to win at Cincinnati than it is to win at Wisconsin, or at least have college football playoff type of success, not necessarily record, but to have college football playoff success, it's much harder to do that in the AAC than it is at Wisconsin, no matter where Wisconsin is situated geographically. Um, but Fickle, I really love what Fickle brings to the table. Um, he seems like a great motivator. You know, when he came in, there wasn't, uh, you know, I was watching an interview with, I believe it was Fickle, and he said when he came in, there wasn't a ton of turnover. You know, there were, there were some transfers out, but it wasn't like the entire team left. And I think that speaks volumes to kind of his motivation levels and how good he is as a head coach that uh, people, even if they came here for Paul Christ, still want to stay here for Luke, for Luke Fickle. Um, so he comes in, he brings, you know, kind of a new energy, a more forward-thinking approach to Wisconsin. And a lot of what he's doing there is bringing in Phil Longo, who is, if you don't know, the offensive, the new offensive coordinator coming over from North Carolina, formerly of Ole Miss, um, bringing with him what a lot of people are calling the dairy raid or the air raid, um, just with the dairy spin on it, obviously. Um, and something or one thing that I want to address with Phil Longo is that, in my opinion, he's not an air raid head coach. Um, and I know that's going to be that's going to be something that a lot of Wisconsin fans don't necessarily like. But, um, you know, something that something that is kind of. I think that's kind of a misconception about Phil Longo because going back uh, over his past couple of years, I can't find the exact, the exact stats now, but at Ole Miss and at North Carolina, his teams were always in the 50s in pass play percentage uh, rankings in college football of the 130 teams. So, and he's had really talented quarterbacks. He's had Matt Corral. Uh, he had Sam Howell in North Carolina. Last year, he had Drake May in North Carolina. But his teams have never been, you know, top 10 in offense and passing play percentage you know he's never been the type of guy who has gone out there and said we're going to pass the ball 50 times a game uh and really we're only going to give it to the running backs if we're passing it to him and you know he's not that type of guy which i think is great for bringing into wisconsin um the thing that he does bring to this offense i think he does bring a little more proficiency in the pass game but he brings a lot more of a spread approach and a lot more of a dynamic approach with rpos and screen passes and just spreading the defense out, which for years has been the main problem with this Wisconsin offense. It's been so uncreative, so bland, um, and teams have been able to really just center in on stopping that run game. And, you know, basically for the, for the rest of the receivers, you can just cover them one-on-one because they're just going to be running stick routes, and they're not going to be doing anything creative. Um, and that kind of took its toll. You know, it, when the Badgers ran into good defenses, they weren't really able to do anything. When they, were, when they ran into defense, uh, defenses who they couldn't just pound the ball on, everything kind of fell apart. And, you know, it's better now that I think they can take what the defense gives them. Um, 
If the defense is playing the pass really well, they can run the ball. If the defense is playing the run really well, they can pass it too. Uh, and I think that's what Longo brings to this team. That's what Longo brings to this offense. Um, and that's also another thing that I really like um, what Fickle has done in coming over to Wisconsin, which a lot of what he's talked about has been, you know, back to back to Paul Christ. This has been a very successful program under Paul Christ. And I appreciate how Fickle has come in and not tried to blow everything up. Because I understand that he's had a lot of success at Cincinnati too, but he understands um, that this has been a successful program and we are going to play to our strengths, even if we're kind of switching things up, which is another thing with Longo. Um, You know, bringing in not an air raid guy, but a guy who also is able to, you know, preach the the Bible of running the football, I guess. Um, Because... Like it or not, we are in the heart, you know, Madison is in the heart of Wisconsin. And this is a region in the country where you are not able to, you know, even with like the the new transfer rules in college football, it's still a lot harder to go out and get a ton of five-star receivers or a ton of really good transfer receivers, even though uh, this year's an outlier, they were able to do that. Um, Or, you know, recruit a ton of really good corners. You know, this is an area of the country which is going to have a lot more offensive linemen, defensive linemen, tight ends. And that is, that's why Wisconsin is built the way that it is. And if we are going to be a successful team, we have to understand that that's the way that it is. And we can't go out there trying to play, you know, the style of offense that you can play at Ohio State or at Florida or at LSU. Because just recruitment level wise, unless we're able to go into, you know, the heart of Ohio and get their really good receivers, which I, I would bet a lot of money that we won't be able to do, um, this team still has to be built mostly around uh, the ground game and running the football. And, you know, you can be able to air it out, but that has to be a big part of this team. And I think Longo is going to be able to keep that there. Um, Defensively, they bring in Mike Tressel, who, you know, he is taking in kind of, you know, a really tough job because he's succeeding Jim Leonard. And the defense, I am almost certain is going to be worse coach than it was last year because Jim Jim Leonard, in my opinion, was probably the best coordinator on any level of the football or on on either side of the football field in college football. Um, and that might sound like a hot take. I don't think that it is, though. Uh, this Wisconsin defense, despite not bringing in five stars, not bringing in a ton of four stars, has been near the tops of the country for the past five, six, however many years Jim Leonard has been here, um, this has been an absolutely elite defense. And not even sending a ton of guys to the NFL either. Uh, just a ton of guys who he has, been, he has been able to coach up. He's been able to use the scheme to his advantage. And he built an absolutely elite Wisconsin defense that I think it's going to be tough for Mike Trestle to replicate. Now, Trestle comes over with Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, where in the past, uh, you know, just last year, Cincinnati ranked number eight in the country in pass defense, and they did rank number seven in the country in yards per play. This was a really good defense at Cincinnati. Granted, it was in the AAC, but you've seen, I mean, they've gotten guys like, again, Sauce Gardner that have come through that door um, that Mike Trussell has coached up. And I think the difference with him and Leonard is Leonard is much more of a aggressive run stopping guy. That isn't to say that Trussell isn't going to play this defense aggressively, but um he has a fair amount of experience playing um, kind of a defense that is more suited to 
be good against the pass, which is not necessarily the way to go in the Big Ten. But if you're going to beat the Ohio States and Michigans and Penn States of the world, you have to be able to stop the pass. And one thing about Jim Leonard's defense that we will get into uh, a little bit later is teams like Minnesota and even Nebraska at times, and especially teams like Ohio State and Michigan, have been able to have a a fair amount of success against this defense um, because they're able to run RPOs and, you know, the stuff that Phil Longo is bringing over, this new era and new age of college football, um, you know, the crossing routes, the middle of the field, the outside of the field, just spreading out the defense. Um, that has been tough for a team that is so reliant on its linebackers and linebackers that aren't necessarily the most athletic linebackers either. Um, and, you know, as smart as guys like Jack Sanborn and as technically sound as they were. And I mean, they were we had athletic guys, too, like Leo Chanel. But just basing a defense around the front seven so hard is tough when you are playing a team uh, that can dot you up over the middle, like a Minnesota has been able to in the past. Um, and, you know, that has been one area where Jim Leonard's defense has struggled, where, you know, when you go against really good teams, um, they have struggled, like the Michigan game a couple of years ago, or especially the Ohio State game last year, which I understand how good Ohio State's offense is. Um, but still, I think... It is possible that Trestle's defense, uh, probably not in year one, but in a couple years, is going to be a little bit better suited um, for the future of college football. And I think if they had to get rid of Jim Leonard, uh, this was a really good place to go. I think Trestle is going to have a lot of success here. He's not Jim Leonard, but he's a very good defensive coordinator. And I think that this is immediately probably a top five coaching staff in the Big Ten, and that's probably putting it lightly. You know, below Ohio State, Michigan maybe, maybe Penn State. Um, I, I think it's tough to find uh, a better coach team in the Big Ten. I think Iowa would be up there if not for Ryan Ferentz. But um, yeah, that's, that's the coaching staff for the most part. Um, you got Fickle, you got Longo, uh, and you got Trestle, kind of the big three that is bringing this new era to Wisconsin. And I'm extremely excited about it. Now, Getting into uh, the depth chart and starting out with this offense, obviously we have to start out at quarterback where they get three big time transfers um, who are going to be, who we thought for the most part were going to be fighting over this position. But for this year, the guy is Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai, SMU transfer, tons of talent. Um, This dude, um, I'm trying to find his stats here real quick, but this dude absolutely lit everyone up at SMU last year. Threw for uh, 3,500 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 10 picks. And he, and the year before, third, or, sorry, 3,600 yards, 39 touchdowns, and 12 picks. This is a guy in the SMU offense who just sprayed the ball all over the field. And he has a super talented arm. Um, down the field, he's accurate. He has a very strong arm. Uh, even short, intermediate, he's very accurate. One thing that I will say about Mordecai, um, he has a tendency to throw interceptions. Um, a lot of that is being in such an aggressive offense at SMU that was able to push the ball down the field. And I mean, part of that, I believe he threw nine touchdowns in a game against Houston last year, which absolutely unreal. It seems like we threw nine touchdowns as a team last year. Um, 
and I mean, he's he's bringing in with Longo and Fickle, uh, you know, kind of a more a more modern type of quarterback. Not that he's an elite runner, um, but just a lot more talented uh, with his arm. And he's a solid improviser too. But again, the interceptions have been a problem. And when he throws interceptions, at least in the past, SMU loses. Uh, and so when he's thrown, a lot of that is SMU's defense being really bad. But there was a stat, I, I can't find it right now. Um, but it was something like, he, there were like 7-0 and when he didn't throw a pick last year. And like 0-6 when he did. Um, it's just been, and it's kind of, that's, that's the ride that you have with Tanner Mordecai. He is a senior. I believe he is a super senior now. Um, I think, or yes, this is his, uh, this is his sixth year in college football. Started at Oklahoma, went to SMU. Um, and so you would hope that his interception tendencies have kind of worn off, but I wouldn't be so sure about that. Um, and I think he could lose us a couple games just by throwing interceptions. Um, but I think you take that 100%. Um, this is a guy who has proven it's been so long since we've had a proven quarterback. Uh, in this room, I mean, it was since like Jack Cohen for like one year, and he still wasn't nearly as talented as Tanner Mordecai is. Uh, Graham Mertz, super talented, but Tanner Mordecai is a lot more proven. I think that this is the best quarterback that we've had since Russell Wilson, um, and I'm ex- I'm super excited to see what he can do. Uh, behind him in this quarterback room, um, you got Nick Evers and Braden Locke. Uh, Evers, a transfer from Oklahoma who was pretty highly recruited, Braden Locke, um, also a transfer from, from Mississippi State, who have a lot of talent, I think, especially Evers, even though Braden Locke is number two on the depth chart right now. So if an injury happens to Mordecai, it's likely going to be Locke who comes in. Um, I think both have a fair amount of talent, but if Mordecai stays healthy, we're probably not going to see him this year. Uh, again, super excited about Mordecai, super excited about his ability to spray it all over the field. Um, sense pressure, get away from it. Um, accurate with the football. Just I go watch a Tanner Mordecai highlight reel right now. Is super like he is a super exciting player to watch. Um, and I think he's going to light it up this year if the coaching staff is able to let him do that. Moving on to running back, we are going to be one of the best teams in the Big Ten at the running back position. There's a lot of good teams in the Big Ten. Um, or there's a lot of good running backs in the Big Ten. Michigan, obviously, the number one room in the country with Corman Edwards. Uh, and then you got Allen and Singleton at Penn State and Henderson and Mayan Williams at Ohio State. So as far as running back rooms go, it's tough to be up at the top in the Big Ten. But I would say we are at worst number four among those groups. And arguably by the end of the season, I think that this could be a top five running back room in the country. Obviously, the number one guy here is Braylon Allen, who is going into his junior year, kind of had a little bit of a down year last year. Um I mean, he got injured uh, at some point in the season, and it looked like after that, he just wasn't really himself, especially for a guy like him, who his entire his entire approach is based on running over dudes and being super aggressive. You could see it, um, especially in the Iowa game last year, where he just seemed to be avoiding contact, and a lot of tackles that in his freshman year he would have ran through, he just wasn't doing the same. Um he had about the same yardage output in his sophomore year that he did in his freshman year, but he averaged almost seven yards per carry as a freshman and just 5.4 last year. Um, on much less attempts also, he had more touchdowns on the ground as a freshman 
than as a sophomore. And overall, it was just kind of a dip in production. But I think a lot of that was due to, you know, just a ton of wear and tear based on us handing handing him the ball seemingly every play. Um, defenses hitting him basically as soon as he got the ball because the offensive line was so bad and the coaching was so predictable. Um, and just, you know, a loss of aggressiveness that he seemed to have. But everything that I've seen this year points to him getting back and getting a lot more aggressive this year. And that dude that we saw as a freshman could be the best running back in the country easily. Um, he has the speed. He has obviously the leg drive, just like the the core the core strength and the core balance and the the like unbelievably powerful legs from Brit from Braylon Allen. Like imagine trying to tackle this dude. He has like statistically, um, at least height and weight wise, he has the same measurements as Derrick Henry. Um, I mean, I can pull it up right now. I believe both are around like six. Yeah, both are around six two two forty. Um, Braylon's potentially even a little bigger than Derek. Uh, I would say Henry's obviously more powerful. I mean, it's hard to get more powerful than Derek Henry, but he bounces off of tackles. He's fairly elusive too. Uh, he's, I think at the end of last year, he got maybe a little too patient, um, where he's a very patient runner and is very good at waiting for holes to develop, uh, in the offensive line. But I think he got a little too good at that last year and kind of wasn't taking opportunities when he saw them, when he's at his best, kind of getting going and getting moving downhill and running over guys, which obviously at the end of last year wasn't happening as much. Uh, I just think given another offseason, uh, given time to recover from that injury and you know getting back to, to being himself, I think that Braylon is going to be among the best running backs in the country this year and obviously among the best running backs in the Big Ten. Um, just the power. I think he's gotten... It seemed like he's gotten better as a receiver over the offseason. Um, I just couldn't imagine trying to tackle that dude. Uh, behind him, we got Ches Malusi, who gives us a very nice one-two punch at running back. Uh, the one thing about Ches, um, where he's different than like Isaac Garendo, who uh, transferred to Louisville is Garendo was a lot more of a shifty, speedy guy, which does complement Braylon a little bit better. Uh, where, obviously, Braylon, although he does have the breakaway speed, and we've seen, you know, in, like, the Nebraska game as a freshman, where he went absolutely bonkers, um, or the long run against Ohio State last year. Um, but, like, we've seen, we've seen his ability to crack off big runs. Isaac Garendo is still a lot shiftier, a lot faster, He's smaller, and he complements Braylon a little bit better. Chez is kind of the same as Braylon, except obviously he's not on the same level. Chez, um, a, Cincinnati, or, a Clemson transfer a couple years ago, not the same build. He's 5'11", 205, but he is just super powerful, runs like his life depends on it. Um, we'll run through arm tackles. He's not the fastest guy. He's not going to break, you know, he's not going to break off, like, 100-yard runs. But at the same time, if you need, like, a third and one, I would say, I mean, he fights harder than anybody in college football to get those yards. And when Braylon needs to come out of the game, I think that he is a great guy to put in as a number two. He's definitely a top 14 running back in the Big Ten. Um, you know, if he if he could transfer to where he wanted to, um, I'm sure, or, you know, if he was just getting given a spot at, like, Rutgers, I don't know. 
he would for sure be a starter. Um, he's good enough to be a starter in the Power Five in college football, and it's great that we have him as our number two guy. Um, again, kind of similar, but whatever. Uh, down, I mean, under the wide receivers, this is the most talented and deepest wide receiver core that we have had in some time. Um, you look at it, and we've got six legit guys uh, who I think all play a, in a, a very good role um, for this team. You look at, I think our best receiver this year is going to be Bryson Green, who is an Oklahoma State transfer. Um, he's kind of the biggest of the group. Uh, I think he's about 6'2", 200. Um, I'm, not, I'm not looking at it right now, but um, I think that's around where he's at. But he's a big receiver. Uh, he comes down with a lot of contested catches, um, makes cornerbacks his son, is an enforcer, athletic. You know, he's just that, that ex-alpha wide receiver who this team has needed since Quintez Cephas left. Um, I think that he can be, he can be similar to Quintez Cephas in this offense, which is great because Quintez Cephas was the best receiver that we've had in, I don't know, since I'm probably forgetting someone, but since like Jared Aberderis, um, Quintez Cephas was elite. And I think Bryson, Bryson Green is going to be almost similar. Um, they got Shamir DK there too, coming back. Um, he's just an all around, very good receiver. Obviously, he had like the 200-yard, three-touchdown uh, three game against Northwestern last year where he just went bananas. Um, and, you know, he's, he's just a talented receiver. I don't think that he's going to – he doesn't have the potential of like a, a Mika Ibuka or a Marvin Harrison or even of a Bryson Green. Um, he's not going to be a first-team uh, all-Big Ten wide receiver. But I think he's talented. I think he's a very good number two guy. He was kind of forced into the number one role last year. I don't think that's really his calling. But even with Graham Mertz, he put up like 800 yards. Or I think he almost put up 1,000 yards receiving last year, which is great. And I think, yeah, I mean, he's a shifty guy. I think he's going to be great in this offense. Will Pauling, also a shifty guy, a slot receiver. Uh, he should tag team with Skylar Bell. But all camp, they've had Will Pauling as the number one receiver. Uh, or not as the number one receiver, but as the number one slot receiver, which Pauling's stats at Cincinnati weren't necessarily that great. And, I mean, he is a tr- Cincinnati transfer. But Skylar Bell was really good last year. And he is, I think I'm going to put out a top 10 players on Wisconsin um, video on TikTok tonight. So obviously follow me for that. But he's a shifty slot guy who is, I mean, he must be good if he's good enough to keep Skylar Bell off the field. Who Skylar Bell... Uh, when given the chances was nearly, you know, was nearly as good as DK last year. And DK was, DK was really good, but Skylar Bell, um, you know, went, uh, he's six foot one ninety. He had, um, 600 yards from scrimmage last year, 160 rushing yards, but five touchdowns. Um, again, in this offense, that's really impressive. And if Will Pauling's good enough to keep him off the field, Will Pauling must be pretty good. Uh, they got on the bench, Keontas Lewis, who brings a ton of speed, not the greatest hands, but he's not the worst five guy or fifth guy in the world. And then CJ Williams, who was kind of, um, who was hyped up. We were all extremely excited when he decided to transfer to Wisconsin from USC, a former four star, um, just recruit last year. Uh, and he's very hyped up, uh, and he has a ton of potential, but we just haven't seen, you know. I think if he was if he was really all that great right now, he probably would be starting. 
um, over Tremere DK, which he isn't right now. Um, he didn't really see a ton of action last year at USC. I think he had like two catches. And so, I mean, that was a really talented USC receiver room. But, you know, we're waiting to see it from CJ Williams right now. Uh, I'm excited about him, though. I think he's going to be great. Uh, on the tight end, where, once again, just to wrap up that receiver room, it's the most talented that we've had in forever, the most talented pretty easily that we've had that I can remember. Um, and it's the first time, again, that I can remember that Wisconsin is going to have arguably a top five wide receiver room in the Big Ten. So, so far, quarterback, running back, receiver, which is usually where Wisconsin struggles, um, at least the quarterback and running back, we are really good. And we're looking to have a really good offense. You know, at worst, probably a top five offense in the Big Ten. And then you get to tight end and offensive line, where is that's usually this team's strength. Uh, usually this team's strength. It's not this year. Um, especially a tight end, where we've had, it seems like we've had like seven guys leave. And since Ferguson left, uh, since Jake Ferguson left, we really haven't had um, a good tight end. We haven't had a tight end who has gotten, it seems like, more than 10 catches in a season. And this year, we're running Hayden Rucci out there to start, who is a senior with six career catches and 75 yards. So that's not the best. Um, I'm, I'm excited for Hayden Rucci. I think that he is, you know, he's obviously going to have more than 75 yards this year if he's starting the whole year. But it's a very inexperienced position, and there's almost no depth. Um, I believe our, uh, I believe our second guy, who I can't find right now. I don't know why. Um, our depth chart won't load. But yeah, our second guy in Tucker Ashcraft, uh, a freshman, a true freshman. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I'm not. I'm not super optimistic about this tight end room. I think it's going to be a weakness of this offense, but we're going to be airing it out a lot to these receivers, so hopefully we can kind of hide that. Uh, the offensive line does not look good to me. Um, Jake Renfro is an all-AAC first-team member, uh, or was last year, but just had a foot injury um, in practice about a day ago, and he is expected to miss the first couple games. He was a Cincinnati transfer coming over with Fickle, uh, was their center last year, and as soon as he gets back, he should be our starter. But that's gonna hurt if he's missing a couple games, especially just with continuity. It's gonna it's gonna be a little harder to to get him wind up or winded up uh, for the season. Um, he's gonna be good when he comes back, though. As is Joe Huber, who is not injured. He will be starting. Uh, was honorable mention All AAC last year, also from Cincinnati. He should start a guard. And Jack Nelson should start a tackle, who was an All-Big Ten honorable mention last year. So all of those guys, I think, should be good. That's three solid positions. But it is football. And there's, I mean, there's always a lot of injuries, especially on the offensive line. And behind those three, especially when you have to start two more, the depth is bad. Um, Malman, Bordellini, and Fertney are, uh, those three are going to start week one. Uh, Michael Forney, Tanner Bordellini, and Riley Malman, which is not good because those three were not good last year and for the most part blew the Minnesota game, uh, especially Malman. But, you know, we're going to have to roll them out. And I don't think it should be like a huge issue against Buffalo, maybe even not against Washington State. But like 
as we get later in the year, and especially as injuries start to pile up, as they do with all teams, this offensive line, which this team is reliant on, is not going to be good, especially with Rucci and Wedig are like our only depth right now. And this offensive line has been pretty poor for the last couple of years, not only in, pre- in pass protection, but also run blocking. Um, where obviously for years upon years, that was the strength of this team. But uh, ever since that, I believe it was 2019 season where we had like Biotish and Dieter and we have like five guys go pro. We just haven't been able to find a ton of continuity on this offensive line. And I think it's hurt this team a lot where we haven't been able to have, you know, even like a top 25 offensive line or even like a top five offensive line in the Big Ten. Uh, if we can get up to that level this year, I think this offense is going to skyrocket. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think this is more like, you know, it's a top 10 unit in the Big Ten, but we'll be probably middling at best. Um, again, just to go over the offense as a whole, uh, I think that it has a ton of potential uh, with the quarterback, with the receivers. Um, but if this offensive line can't change, you know, it's going to be tough to implement this system in year one. There's a lot of new faces. I would hold the horses on, like, this is going to be a top three offense in the Big Ten. You look at, like, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, probably even, like, a team like Purdue will probably have a better offense than us. And I think that this offense is going to struggle a little bit. We're also definitely going to have our moments. I think it's going to be a fun ride. Um, with that, let's get on to the defense. Yeah, so, again, on this defense um, – Everything is going to revolve around the transition from Jim Leonard to Mike Tressel. And again, Jim Leonard's defense, one of the main problems was with it was its reliance on the linebackers. As good as those linebackers were and as much as they did for us, TJ Edwards, Chris Orr, um, Chris Borland, even going back, uh, Jack Sitchi, Jack Sanborn, Leo Chanel, um, Ryan Connolly. Sorry if I'm forgetting anyone. TJ Watt, obviously, Nick Herbig. But a ton of super good linebackers have come through this defense. But it's had a lot of reliance on those linebackers. And against good teams, they're able to, at times, pick those linebackers apart. Um, but with Tressel coming in, he's going to switch this defense from a 3-4, which is three defensive linemen, four linebackers, four defensive backs, to, for the most part, a 3-3-5, which is three defensive linemen, three linebackers, five DBs. One of those DBs, uh, what they're talking about is it's going to be a dimebacker which is basically just a playmaking DB in the secondary. That's going to be Jason Maitre, uh, a transfer from Boston College, who we will talk about later. Um, but let's start this out with the defensive line, who has been the unsung heroes for this defense forever. And their job under Jim Leonard was, for the most part, to stop the run. And they did that unbelievably well. Now, this year they're losing Keanu Benton, um, which does make a huge difference. But I think this defensive line is still going to be pretty good. Uh, they will start James Thompson Jr., Rodas Johnson, and Gio Paez. Last year, both Thompson and Johnson actually had 23 tackles and six TFLs, oddly enough. Uh, Paez had one TFL and about 10 tackles. Um, but these are big, beefy guys. Johnson is 220, or 295, Paez 310, and JTJ is 290. So these are, bi- these are big dudes. Uh, these are holdovers from the last regime, and they're there to clog up the running lanes to take on as many blockers as they can so that in the run game, especially on early downs, linebackers can get after it. And, you know, later down the road, when it gets to passing downs, they're going to take out blockers in that so that the linebackers can get downhill and create pressure. Basically, their job is to occupy the offensive line, and for years they have done a great job of that. 
Now, Keanu Benton um, is leaving. Uh, he's going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, obviously. And he was a guy who, kind of unlike the rest of this unit, was a good pass rusher. And, you know, one thing about this defensive line is as good as they have been clogging up the run, well, that is their job. Uh, they haven't been great at rushing the passer. And under Jim Leonard, we always had to blitz linebackers to get pressure. Whoever you are, it's tough to get pressure with three. But we never had dudes on the defensive line who were able to win one-on-one because their jobs were just to clog up the run. Keanu Benton was able to do that, and he's leaving, which is going to, fill, or is going to leave a void. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, that is going to leave a pretty big void. But at the same time, um, I think that this defense is still, studed, or still suited just to have this defensive line be run stoppers and the linebackers behind them come in and clean, clean up the mess. This was the number two rush defense in the country last year. Obviously, without Benton, I think that's going to fall off a bit. And without Leonard, but we're still probably looking with this defensive line at like a top 15 run, rush defense, which is huge. Uh, they also got Isaiah Mullins, who may start when he comes back. He's been dealing with big-time injuries his past couple years at Wisconsin. Um, just never really able to stay on the field for a long period of time. Hope he gets back sooner rather than later. <coughs> Excuse me with the coughing here. Um, now on to the linebackers. Uh, the outside backers, who their duty is more of like an edge rusher, where we've had TJ Watt, Nick Herbig in the past. They aren't really true... Um, you know, run stoppers on that defense, or they're not really true linebackers uh, in this defense. May, you know, we may be switching to them becoming more of that, but I think we still have two fairly solid pass rushers on the exterior here in Daryl Peterson and CJ Getz. Uh, Peterson had two TFLs last year, was stuck behind Herbig for most of the year, but in our interview, which I highly, 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 um, I don't know, I highly, uh, I can't even think of the word. I highly say that you should go listen to the, to our interview, Mianna Shaz's interview with Ricardo Hallman, uh, the starting cornerback, or one of the starting cornerbacks here, who we will talk about. But one of the things he said in that interview was that Daryl Peterson is someone on this defense who is really, really looking up to him. Uh, or not looking up to him, but who is really having a nice development. And after being behind her big kind of learning what Herbig has to offer, which Herbig is tearing it up in the preseason right now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to have, you know, a lot more of an ability to get after the passer. Uh, opposite of CJ Getz, who, I mean, in my opinion with Getz, we've been waiting on this breakout for a fairly long time. Uh, 61 tackles last year, eight TFLs, which isn't bad. <coughs> but, you know, we're kind of expecting a little bit better with Getz. And this is his, I believe, his super senior year. So hopefully he's able to get after it. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think that's a very good duo, though. Um, those are two guys with... Gates is more of a, a power rusher. Um, Peterson more has the, the speed off the edge. But I think both are going to be able to get off, uh, get after the quarterback in a variety of ways. And we're going to make this pass rush unit... Um, still solid, even after losing those two big dudes um, in the front seven, in Herbig and Benton, who made this defense what it was last year. Muma Jagmeta is the guy in the middle of this defense who I think without a doubt is going to be the best player on this defense and probably the second best player on this team this year. Um, 
Jeez. Uh, Muma last year had 95 tackles, 11.5 TFLs, 3.5 sacks, and an interception. Absolutely lit up um, the stat sheet, I guess you could say. Um, Muma is, you know, a lot like every other Wisconsin linebacker. Where, you know, he got, he was third team all Big Ten last year, which is pretty unreal with those numbers. I feel like, at worst, that's a second team performance, even if you have a, even you know even with the good linebackers in the Big Ten, but Muma, it's tough to say that he's the next great Badger linebacker because he kind of was. I mean, he was pretty great last year. Uh, he's already the next great Badger linebacker. He is a super sound tackler. He's super smart. Um, he's a very strong guy. He's not really the fastest, but that's been the same with Jack Sanborn. Uh, that's been the same with like Chris Orr. All these Badger linebackers. That's why that's why all all of our linebackers fall in the draft is because we don't really have the speed and not necessarily the athleticism. But in college football, Muma is the perfect linebacker. Uh, he also has a fair amount of coverage ability, uh, but just a very smart run defender. Um, knows his keys, knows how to get downhill and hit dudes. Um, and wrapped up a ton of plays for Wisconsin last year. He's going to be in the middle of this defense, you know, being the leader. And I think that... You know, everything that I've seen with him in the offseason leads me to believe that he is going to be absolutely elite in that role. And we need him to be. You know, we need him to be the heart and soul of this defense. I think that he can be that guy. Um, Probably a first-team All-Big Ten selection for Muma this year. I'm really excited for what he has to show. Uh, Alongside him on the inside linebackers, um, you got uh, Jordan Turner and Jake Chaney who Turner had five TFLs last year and Cheney had four. So those weren't slackers. Obviously, they were, you know, they are kind of switching off starting. It was mostly Jordan Turner. And I would assume him, or I would assume for him to to kind of start again. But again, they're probably going to run three linebackers. So I would assume it's going to be Peterson, Jung Mehta, and CJ Getz. But Jordan Turner, as kind of that last guy, I think is going to be really good. Uh, Jake Cheney, too. I just think that those are two solid linebackers. I'm not sure how old they are, so I'm not sure if they're going to get their chance after Muma graduates this year. Um, or, oh, t- uh, Turner is a junior and Cheney is a junior. So both should get their opportunity next year, but I think it's coming, especially for Jordan Turner, who I'm a big fan of. Um, another dude in this front seven who I almost forgot to talk about is Darian Varner. A transfer from Temple. They also got uh, Jeff Piotrowski from Michigan State, who should be a really good third rusher, should Peterson or Getz go down, or even just kind of relieving those guys of some of their duties. But I'm especially excited about Darian Varner, who is dissimilar to these other Badgers uh, defensive linemen. He is a transfer defensive end coming over from Temple, who last year put up 12.5 TFLs and 7.5 sacks. Again, that's in the um, that's in the AAC, but this dude knows how to get after the passer, and he is big, he's strong, um, he is he's quick around the edge, and he just toyed um, with offensive linemen last year in the AAC. I'm pretty surprised he's not starting. I will say, he in the run game doesn't really fit what the Badgers want to do um, because this defensive line they're really expecting to just hone in on their lanes and really kind of stay true to that. Varner is more so he will get after you in the backfield, but he will also at times leave his gap. And 
you know, that's great. And I think on pass rushing downs, Varner is probably our best pass rusher at the moment, as crazy as that is to say, because he's not even starting. Um, but Varner's probably our best pass rusher at the moment. I'm really excited to see what he's going to show. I wouldn't expect a ton of him, especially with Mullins coming back at some point this year uh, on the defensive line, you know, on, on early downs, just because stopping the run with kind of, again, clogging up the front and then waiting for the linebackers to do their job. Varner isn't necessarily going to be the best at that, but I want to see him on the field a ton this year. And I mean, he's a junior and we are going to have Gio Paez, Rodas Johnson leaving next year and Isaiah Mullins. I'm really excited for what he has to show when he's a senior in Wisconsin. But even this year, I think he's really talented and I'm fairly surprised he decided to come to Wisconsin. But again, super excited. Uh, On to the DBs, the last position group that we are going to go over, um, I guess other than special teams. We're not going to go over them a ton, though. It's mostly about the DBs here. Sorry, the DBs here, where we do lose a fair amount of dudes, but I think that this is still going to be a very talented um, defensive backfield, where we're going to lose Jay Shaw, Cedric Dort, and John Torchio, especially Torchio and uh, Shaw. They were all big parts of this defense last year, especially Torchio. I absolutely loved John Torchio last year. But even losing those guys, I think that we still, we're not going to have a ton of depth in the secondary, which is, could end up being a problem, especially if we're going to start five of them. But the starters, I think, are really good, especially at the cornerback position, where you got Ricardo Hallman and Alexander Smith. Both are studs. Uh, Smith is more, he came back in the, at the back end of last year and their coverage was immediately a whole lot better. Um, I believe he came back after the Ohio state game at some point in there. Uh, but Smith, he's just, I don't know if you can say locked down, but is a super sound cover corner. Um, just knows, yeah, just knows how to cover dudes and knows, knows his position, um, is sticky is big not not necessarily big but you know has solid size for a cornerback and he's just smart and I think that he's a good big time corner similar to Caesar Williams or Fayon Hicks you know he's not gonna he's not gonna lock up a Marvin Harrison Jr. and it's been a while since we've had you know truly an elite cornerback I think Nick Nelson was probably the last guy to be that guy for Wisconsin which is a while ago but he's a good cornerback and so is Ricardo Hallman who I understand potentially the bias of him being the one who we interviewed, but I am a huge Ricardo Hallman fan. Um, I remember watching last year during the New Mexico State game where he had the one-handed interception and seeing like, who is that dude? And like, how did he make that play? But, and he, he did get picked on at times last year where Alexander Smith didn't necessarily as much. Rico had the game against Michigan State, especially where Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman, I believe, but mostly Jaden Reed, just went after him, and Rico's a smaller dude, right? Um, he is, let me pull up his page here, uh, Rico's five, he's 5'10", 185, which, I mean, that's not, like, unbelievably small for a corner, but it's pretty small. Um, it's a fair bit smaller than Smith, for example, um, and in a conference like the Big Ten, where you have these big receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr., which nobody's going to call him Marvin Harrison Jr., but you got Marvin Harrison Jr., you got guys in the past like Rashad Bateman, Donovan Peoples-Jones. You got big receivers that you got to cover. It is tough for 
a small dude to really have a ton of success, but I saw a ton of flashes from him last year. He's really quick. Um, he's really speedy. He's agile. And, you know, he's a very, he's a very good cover corner. It's again, it's tough for him in like contested, contested catch situations to go up and, you know, contend with like a Marvin Harrison Jr. That's like the only example that I can think of right now. Um, but you know, a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., it is tough for him to go up and, and guard him on a contested catch play, but just sticking with receivers, I think that he is going to be elite this year and he's a sophomore this year, but he has an absolute ton of potential. He's a great guy. Um, during that interview, you know, absolutely blown away. He was super nice when we reached out to him, uh, just kind of working, working with us to set that interview up was awesome during the interview. I'm, I'm his biggest fan at this point, and I'm rooting for him wherever he goes. I think he's going to be an NFL player sooner rather than later. And again, potentially podcast bias there, but I am the biggest Ricardo Hallman fan probably on the planet, other than his, other than his family and him. But huge Ricardo Hallman fan, think he's going to absolutely tear it up this year. And, you know, if he's able to... I am unbelievably excited about this cornerback room. I think the Ohio State receiver room with like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Amika Buka is going to tear up everyone. They're probably going to tear us up. But other than that, I think that we're going to, if we can reach our potential, we're going to have a ton of success against the rest of the receivers on the schedule. Um, there's not much corner depth, which is definitely a problem. Uh, cornerback is another position where you're going to get injuries. I mean, we saw that with Alexander Smith last year and, Behind those guys, we got Jonas Duclona, um, a freshman, and then Nizir Forkurian, who I have no idea who that is. Transferred from Grand Valley State. Maybe he's good, but that's some inexperienced... I mean, none of those dudes have played a snap in the Big Ten, and those are third and fourth corners. So there should be a little bit of, you know, there should be a little bit of worry there, but... Not so much to say that this corner room isn't going to be good. On to the safeties, uh, the last position group on this defense. We're going to start off with Kamoy Latu, who I think Rico is my favorite player on this team. After him, it's definitely Kamoy Latu. Uh, Kamoy is absolutely elite. He is a hard hitter. He will take your head off. Um, he's like the camp chancellor of the Big Ten. You know, you, you're coming downhill. He's, he's a transfer from Utah. I don't know how they taught him to, to hit like that, but he goes after you on every play, like he's, you know, like you killed his mother or something, you know, not necessarily that, but he goes after you on every play, like he's got something to prove, and he will, again, he will take your head off, he will hit you harder than you've ever been hit before, and, you know, you better be ready for it if you're going up against the secondary, if you are a receiver um, coming into the secondary, trying to get open, and you catch that ball, Kamoy is absolutely lighting you up. Uh, I will say he's very aggressive, and at times that can get him burnt. Uh, I think Torchio was, I, I don't know about smarter, but like a little bit more instinctive of not like not getting beat over the top. Uh, and Kamoy at times would get beat over the top. But I will 100% take that with his coverage skills. He's a pretty good cover player too. He's a roaming free safety. I like what he does, you know. Intercept, he had two interceptions last year, three uh, passes defended, and three TFLs. He's an all-around great safety. Um, and I think that he'll be in contention for uh, all Big Ten first team. 
him, Rico, and Muma will probably be, maybe not Rico just yet, but I really want Rico to get there. Uh, I think Varner, John Meta, um, Kamoy, Alexander Smith maybe, and then hopefully Rico will be the players on this defense up for big-time awards. Uh, we'll put a question mark next to Varner, see how many snaps he's able to get. But um, we're waiting on Hunter Wohler at free safety. Uh, didn't play a ton last year uh, behind Torchio, and then also just kind of had, you know, he was he was pretty young. And I believe now um, Wohler is a true junior. He was a true sophomore last year, and he's been hyped up. We're going to get to see him go. You know, I've you know heard a bunch of hype about Wohler, just his coverage ability, his instincts, his athleticism, his tackling, everything. And if he's able to put all that together, this is going to be a very good secondary. Travion Blaylock also, um, our third safety, should be pretty good. I think he played pretty solid when given an opportunity. But this whole defense, I think, could hinge on the play of Jason Maitre. Uh, the big X factors on this defense, to me, are Varner, uh, Daryl Peterson, Ricardo Hallman, but mostly Jalen Maitre. Because he's playing that dime position, and they want him to be the playmaker to come in and blow everything an offense has up. Uh, he's a Boston College transfer, a super-duper senior, which means this is a six-year uh, he's got nine career tackles for loss, 19 career passes defended, and last year, two TFLs, six passes defended, and a pick. He's got three career picks. He's shown a history at Boston College of being able to come in and make plays. And they're going to expect him this year to be able to play in the box at times, you know, be able to cover guys on the outside, be able to play a little bit of maybe even free safety if they want to come down and get aggressive with Kamoy. But... He is the key to this defense. If he is able to roam around and mess mess up everything that an offense has going, then this defense is going to be really good. If he's not able to do that, I don't know. You know, um, the depth here, Preston Zachman, I could see potentially coming in there. Uh, but Owen Arnett is officially his backup. If my trade goes down, though, then we may, we might have some problems. I, well, we might have some troubles on this defense. Uh, the spe- you know, just going over the defense again to give the full recap. I think this front seven is, with hesitation, going to be pretty good. Um, it's it's not as talented as a front seven as we had last year or really in years past, but it should be a, a top five front seven in the in the Big Ten. And the secondary is the best secondary that we've had in a while. And for the first time in a while, we have the opportunity to be maybe a top three secondary in the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State, is they're always going to have a good secondary. Minnesota has a really good one. Michigan is probably going to be the best in the conference of that. Penn State, Iowa. I mean, you've got a, you got a, t- you got a couple teams with really good secondaries in this conference, Illinois. But I think that we can get up there with this group. And if we are able to... You know, you're seeing like you're starting to see the upside with this team. You're starting to see where this team can go if everything really gets rolling. Uh, the special teams unit don't know a ton about these guys. Um, Jack Van Dyke will be. It says we'll be doing the kickoffs. We're getting Nathaniel Valkos or Nathaniel Vakos from Ohio to be the place kicker. I don't know how good he is. A lot of the season's probably going to range on. 
<coughs> a lot of the season is probably going to range on our ability um, to make kicks and to punt the ball well. So we'll see. Um, but Vakos, a transfer from Ohio. Hopefully he's good. And Atticus Bertrams is our punter from USC. Didn't get, a, didn't get a ton of chances to punt last year at USC. As Vakos didn't get a ton, ton of chances to kick the ball with Ohio. Um, a really good offense and a really bad offense. Jack Van Dyke and Nate Van Zels do come back. Um, and if Vakos or Bertrams lose their positions, then I assume that those guys will be able to step in. The Vans, if you will. Uh, at kick returner and punt returner, it's looking like Chimera DK right now. Will Pauling could potentially step in, but I don't think we really have a game breaker there, unfortunately. But with that, um, we're wrapping up the, the depth chart and the coaching. And let's get on to this schedule prediction. And if I'm being completely honest, this is a pretty favorable schedule for our 19th ranked Badgers at the moment. We only have two ranked games on the schedule, and they will both come at home. Um, we're hosting Iowa on the 14th, and we're hosting Ohio State on the 28th. But um, let's get into it. We're going to predict every game game by game. So starting tomorrow at 2.30 p.m., Wisconsin hosting Buffalo and I'm not going to overthink this one. Uh, I think Buffalo is going to come in and give us potentially a little bit of a challenge early on. But if we can't beat Buffalo, then we're not getting to a bowl game. Uh, I think this is probably a win, especially just with the hype that starts out with the start of the season. So I think we got a win over Buffalo starting out 1-0. Then, Saturday, September 9th, 6.30 p.m. at Washington State. That could be a tough one. Um, you know, obviously remembering last year they came into our house and ended up beating us in a game that was fairly surprising for a lot of us. Um, I certainly didn't expect them to lose that game. Uh, I think that was kind of where a lot of the fire guard stuff started, um, or not guard, um, the fire Chris stuff, uh, started and he was fired not that, um, not that far after that but it's a lot of the same guys that killed us last year uh cam ward's back at quarterback nakia watson still in there at running back the former badger who absolutely ripped us up last year they got transfers in this or sorry transfers um in this receiver room guys like cam lampkin are back um i believe they lost stone which stone was stone was a name that absolutely haunted me last year um Manusi Milani um, is back. They have a ton of... Or no, Ron Stone Jr. There it is on the defensive line. They still got him. Uh, but yeah, this is... I don't think that's going to be an easy game. But at the same time, I think we came into the game last year uh, a little flat, kind of expecting to win. This this year, it's a night game. And even though it's at Wazoo, and I think Wazoo is going to be hyped up. You know, this is their last season in the Pac-12. This is their last season to really make an impression. I still think that we're going to be able to go in there and get a win. Uh, just kind of with revenge on our minds from what happened last year. Uh, and revenge not on the mind of Jake Dicker, their coach, um, with ties to Wisconsin. But yeah, I think that we're going to be able to go into Washington State and win. The next week, I think, could potentially be a trap. Uh, we're going to be hosting Georgia Southern. And that's a that's a day game. That's a team who runs the triple option, who Jim Leonard... Obviously, would have been able to swallow up. This is a new defense, though, and a defense that isn't necessarily as primed um, to take on that type of an offense. 
I think we still win, but I think that that is a game that, you know, potentially look out for. Uh, don't be unbelievably shocked if we end up dropping that one because I think that Georgia Southern is going to be a solid team. I think they beat Nebraska last year. Um, you know, they have, a, they have an ability to come in and beat us, and I would look out for that. Uh, the next week, we're playing at Purdue on a Friday night. And I think Purdue is going to be good this year. Hudson Card coming in quarterback. They got, um, I believe they returned like Sheffield at receiver. They return a fair amount of weapons. Uh, their defense is going to be better with Ryan Walters. The Illinois, I believe, was the defensive coordinator last year, transferring over to Purdue to be their head coach. And I'm, again, a little bit worried about that one. But... In the past, we have had a history of beating Purdue. I think it's like 16 straight or something. I don't think that that ends this year. And I don't think, you know, I think Purdue's going to be good. I don't think they're going to be elite, though. And I think that we are going to be able to come in there and beat them. Uh, Next week is a bye. So it's an extra long bye, especially after that Friday game at Purdue. Uh, We're coming home to then take on Rutgers after that. Uh, I think people are excited about Rutgers this year. You know, maybe won't be a fifty-nine to nothing win, but I think will be will be a win. The next week, October fourteenth, hosting Iowa, our first, you know, probably our first ranked matchup of the year. Uh, maybe could come against Purdue, but I think it'll probably be that Iowa game, and it's going to be a tough one. It always is against Iowa, but I think that the offense that they're trying to install won't be nearly as good as ours. And I think the game being at home is going to be the big deal breaker here. Where I think if it was at Iowa, they, if it was at Kinnick, they'd probably take us down. But as good as that defense is, I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game. And I think that we make, you know, at home in front of that big Camp Randall crowd, potentially a night game, uh, I think that we make the necessary plays to end up taking them down. Next week, we're at Illinois, and I think that this is where we get our first loss. Illinois has beat us two of the last three years. They are, you know, basically Wisconsin. They're Brett, I mean, Brett Bielem is there. He's running that old system. Uh, no Chase Brown anymore, but that run game is still, you know, that offensive line is still really good. That front seven is still really good. And with this new kind of system that isn't based upon, like, ground and pound and toughness and all of that, I think that Illinois is going to be able to out-tough us especially in their house. Um, they're not going to catch us. They're not going to catch us sleeping again, but I think Illinois is just, they're just going to be a really good team again. And I think they're just going to beat us October 28th, or sorry, October 21st against Illinois. That will also be a tough game because we're going to be looking ahead to the Ohio State game. You know, we're coming off of the Iowa game and then going into the Ohio State game. The Ohio State game on October 28th, I'm going to be at that game, likely a night, a night game. Uh, they got they got rid of Big Noon Saturday. It's now, I think, since uh, we have the Big Ten on CBS now instead of the SEC on CBS, uh, our biggest games are going to be moved to the Big Ten's biggest games are going to be moved to the night shift. So we're going to be able to take on Ohio State at night, and at night at Camp Randall, whoever if it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, I don't care who it is, they're going to come into a screaming sea of Camp Randall fans, um, and they're not going to know what hit them. And I think that legitimately we are going to be able to come in and win that game. Uh, first, even if it's even if the Iowa game is a night one, 
still the first really huge game of the Luke Fickle era, potentially like a college game day type game. And I think we're going to come out in full force and we're going to be, we're going to be able to throw the ball all over the field. I think our defense is better suited to take them on this year. I think if this, if we're going to beat them, this is one of the years that we're going to be able to do it. Uh, and I think it does happen. So we will move to, what is that? Seven and one after the Ohio state game, going into a game at Indiana uh, probably ranked fairly highly, and I think we take care of business at Indiana. Indiana's not going to be good this year, and yeah, just not a not a tough game. Same thing with November 11th against Northwestern, even though we always have trouble with Northwestern. I mean, without Pat Fitzgerald, like, what even is that team at this point? I'm not super worried about that Northwestern game. I actually shouldn't jinx it. I'm super worried about that Northwestern game, um, but I think we do win. November 18th, we're going to take on Nebraska, and I mean, that's going to be week, what, 12, because of the bye. Um, Nebraska always kind of gives us a run for our money, it seems, but we always end up winning at the end. It's been, no matter how good we are, no matter how badly they suck, and that's kind of the case, I mean, we saw, I saw the Nebraska-Minnesota game last night, that's kind of the case with Nebraska against every team, but... Yeah, I think it's mostly the same this year, probably like a 27 to 20 win or something, but I think we were, were able to win that game. And then the game last night from Minnesota is maybe giving me doubts about this, but I think that we lose to Minnesota on November 25th to end the season. Um, Minnesota's, again, Minnesota's beat us uh, two of the last three years, and they're, or I mean, two of the last two years, right? Yeah. Two of the, three of the last... No. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- um, three of the last four years, I believe, or just two of the last three, something like that. Um, but I think that RPO game from them is tough to stop. No Mo Ibrahim this time around, but still, uh, I think that they, their running game is tough to stop. They are able to air it out a fair bit. And just overall, that defense has been a pain in the butt for us of late. Coming into Huntington Bank Stadium... I think that they're they're able to win the axe back. And so that's, I mean, two losses at Illinois and at Minnesota. I think that we go undefeated at home. And I think we lose the Big Ten Championship game, who I think I predicted it to be Michigan, uh, the winner of the Big Ten. I think Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State will all have one loss to each other in the Big Ten. And then Ohio State will have the loss to us. So Michigan... Um, actually, no, then, uh, uh, never mind. Then it would be Penn State. Penn State beating us in the Big Ten Championship game because Penn State with the win over Michigan. But, yeah, I mean, us getting through the Big Ten Championship game, we're not as good on a neutral site as Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, though. Not this year. I think we're going to get to that point with the recruiting and transfer portaling that Luke Fickle has been able to do and Longo and Trestle and all of them. I think that they're, we're... We're on our path to catch up to those teams and maybe even the USC's once they, and the Oregon's once they come to the Big Ten. Um, but we're not quite there yet. And, I mean, but that's still a 10-3 and three finish. I'm not going to predict the bowl game because I'm not sure uh, which one that'll put us in. Probably not in the Rose Bowl unless we're super good because, again, those three teams in the East are all going to be really good. Um, but I think a solid bowl game for this team. I think, I will say this isn't a 10-2 and two team. I think the talent on this team with a normal college football schedule is probably 
more more so like an eight and four nine and three type of team i think when you go over the strengths and weaknesses of this team i think that there's a lot of strengths but i also just think we don't have like the the difference makers that you need to have um we have some good players obviously braylon allen is a very good player uh mumajan meta very good player kamoy latu Bryson Green, Tanner Mordecai, like we've talked about all these guys. We have a lot of good players, but we don't have enough like Marvin Harrison's or Kalen Kings or um, Will Johnson for Michigan. You know, we just don't, I think talent wise, we don't have the high level type of guys. um, And we're too quickly put together to be really an elite team. But I still think that this is a. I still think that this is a very good team. Um, I still think that we are going to be very competitive in the Big Ten again. With a normal college football schedule, is probably more like eight and four, nine and three. With a really tough one, it's probably more like six and six, seven and five. Uh, I think ten and two is probably around. That's probably our ceiling. But with the way that the schedule pans out, I think that we can get there. So, you know, that's that's my rundown for the University of Wisconsin. I guess. I can go over strengths and weaknesses before we get out of here. I would say a couple strengths for us would be um, this receiver room. It's going to be elite, just the weaponry overall, because our running backs are going to be elite too with the depth of our receivers, with Braylon Allen, um, Bryson Green, Shamara DK, Malusi, Will Pauling, just all of those guys. Uh, Mordecai, I think, is going to be a strength. Um, the new regime of coaching, I think, is going to be a strength, even though it's it usually takes more than a year to get everything instituted. I still think that um, with Longo, again, I've said these guys' names like 15 times today, but Longo, Fickle, and Mike Tressel, I think that that's still, um, that's still an elite coaching group in the Big Ten. And then these DBs, I think. Uh, if, if they can stay healthy and stay together, I think that this, that this DB room can be among the best in the Big Ten. Which is something to say because there are a lot of good big, t- uh, a lot of good DB groups in the Big Ten. Weaknesses, I think, special teams could be a weakness. It's been a weakness in the past for Wisconsin. We'll see about it. Um, the offensive line, especially depth on the offensive line, is definitely an issue. Um, depth overall as a team, I would say. Uh, I think the starters on this team are really good, but other than like receiver and running back. I don't see, and maybe defensive line, I don't see a ton of depth anywhere on this team. Uh, tight end, especially if Hayden Rucci goes down, um, I just don't see what we're going to do there. Uh, and then potentially, I wouldn't say the linebackers, but the linebackers not being as good as they've been in the past, which, you know, compared to most teams, linebacker definitely isn't a weakness for us, but... You know, when you're so reliant on the linebackers, which I think even under Trestle in these first couple of years, we still probably will be. Um, these linebackers aren't like unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? But so there's a couple of strengths, a couple of weaknesses. I hope you all uh, enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Um, again, subscribe to us on or follow us on TikTok uh, under the, at Under the Rim. And at Bucky Badger W one, follow me on Twitter at Bucky Badger W one. Follow a follow a Shaw's, maybe um, I don't know what platforms uh, he's exactly on. He will be back for the next podcast, which will probably be an NFL preview. 
Um, maybe we'll be back talking some Badgers if they're really good or really bad out the gate. Um, I will be back posting a little more on TikTok in a couple of, you know, in a couple of days. But, you know, until next time, I'm Sam. Uh, this has been the Under the Rim podcast on Wisconsin. Let's beat Buffalo tomorrow and let's go undefeated this season. Let's go Badgers.